0: I put it together. I saw the thread going through my life. And that's what I'm sharing with other people now. When our souls are undernourished, that's how we develop addictions. Food addictions are obvious. We're trying to fill the emptiness within, but it applies to all kinds of addictions.
1: Welcome to Hope to Recharge podcast. Thank you for joining me here again today. Every week, we meet here to break the stigma around mental health and to bring you insight and inspiration and lots of practical tips from personal stories or professionals around the world that share how they turn their journey of mental health into healing or to thriving. Together, we will break the stigma one story at a time. In mental health, together is always better. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm your host, Matana. Let's get started. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com, the leading online platform for therapy. You can access thousands of therapists one click away. Go check out BetterHelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Get 10% off your first month. Start your wellness now. Do you sometimes feel stuck? Do you wish you can be somewhere else? Do you have a vision of where you want to get to, but you just don't know what the first step to take in order to get to that life that you're dreaming of? Many people ask me, what did I do in order to create this wellness that I'm living in? How did I shift from deep depression, from extreme anxiety to a thriving life, to a productive life, to a life full of joy? I put many things into practice, and it's every single day. Many of you know that it's gratitude, a healthy mindset, boundaries, self-love, and one of the most important things that many people don't speak about, forgiveness, self-forgiveness and forgiveness to others, essential for healing. If you want to work one-on-one with me in order to move forward towards that dream life that you have a vision of, click the link below in the show notes. It's a custom-made program for you, one-on-one with me. We will develop a concrete program that you can implement in your life so you can create a better well-being. Click the link below. Looking forward to working with you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Hope to Recharge podcast where we break the stigma one story at a time. Today I have the wonderful Bracha Getz. She is not the typical Harvard grad. She's the author of 39 picture books that help children grow spiritually, inspiring each uniquely beautiful soul to shine. She recently wrote her memoir, Searching for God in the Garbage. I had to grab it. I reached out to Bracha because her name was very familiar. After speaking to her, I realized that we were neighbors about 40 years ago in a small little community in Israel. She inspired me through this conversation. She shares her journey with eating disorders as a teen, as an early adult, how she was searching for answers for anorexia and bulimia. She went to school to understand it and the more she deep dived into the the topic the more she felt like she was drowning in her own struggles. In this book she shares deep dark messy parts of her eating disorder and she also shared what happened that transformed her and how she found healing and it all started in Israel. I can't wait till you hear this episode. If you know anyone with eating disorders or any disorder, any addiction, because Bracha says that any addiction is the same kind of void, share this episode with them. You might save a life. Enjoy the listen.
0: At age 12, I started feeling like something was missing from my life. The search began. Searching through the garbage, I searched through everything just about. What didn't I try? I don't know. I tried, first I tried many different religions. I explored lots of different religions and I explored environmentalism. I explored social action, education, drugs, experimenting with drugs, relationships. I tried all these different things searching for what was missing in my life. I didn't know what it was. So let's see. I ended up going okay because i got so into education i ended up going to harvard and then i majored in psychology again searching for what was the truth what was the purpose to life this is what i thought i would find there i kept going i was involved like i said with christian science and buddhism i was born jewish but it didn't seem like anything spiritual was involved there. So I wasn't really pursuing Judaism much. And yeah, and my boyfriends were always not Jewish. And I in fact, in college at Harvard, my my boyfriend then was Catholic and he wanted to go to the Hillel there. I wasn't even interested. We went one Friday night, but it, it just didn't pull me. I kept searching and what was happening was I was I seemed like a success on the outside, but within. There was an emptiness and i didn't know how to fill it and at first i tried let's say maybe i was a little bit overweight and i started dieting and i saw the reactions i got from being thin so i was all into being thin and crazy diets and but you can't keep that up so then i was binging so i was either doing one or the other crazy dieting or binging and it had nothing to do with being physically hungry what i was doing it was all just manipulating my life and what i discovered when i put the book together because i couldn't understand why when i finally found the nourishment that my soul was craving why was I suddenly healed from my food addictions? What did one thing have to do with the other? I couldn't figure that out. So by putting the book together, it was an epiphany came. Putting it together, it was almost like therapy because at the end of the book, when I put it together, I saw the thread going through my life. And that's what I'm sharing with other people now. When our souls are undernourished, that's how we develop addictions food addictions are obvious we're trying to fill the emptiness within but it applies to all kinds of addictions it's that we when we experience um food we experience pleasure when we eat food and food was designed to be pleasurable i give an example of an orange like an orange is beautiful it becomes its most beautiful when it's ripe on the tree it becomes bright like one one of my children's books is about this too how amazing our fruit and vegetables are the genius of them like you can also see how this was individually packaged And how the juiciness stays inside because of the the peel, the amazing peel designed by perfect intelligence. So it keeps it yummy and juicy inside. So basically food was designed to be uh, pleasurable to taste and the aroma is beautiful. And also it's beautiful to look at. So it could have been that we just take a pill and that would have been it, but no, Everything in life is designed for our greatest pleasure. We've gone off course, but that's how life was designed to be. Everything in nature is designed for our greatest pleasure. So basically, when we experience the pleasure, if we don't have enough other pleasures in our life, we get stuck on that pleasure. And that's why we overeat. Because it's pleasurable. So just keep going. And and especially with food that's processed. the the food that's processed is not designed perfectly. It's actually designed to be addictive. So when we eat that pleasure, when we experience it on our taste buds, even though it's just for like a few seconds, we want the pleasure to keep lasting, so that's why people overeat. It's really very simple. And we try to keep the pleasure going by overeating, but it's really a spiritual pleasure that we need. in. And the food, the food was designed to uplift our souls. All these physical pleasures were designed to uplift our souls. They're not just designed to uplift our bodies. They are designed to uplift our souls as well. So that's why when we bring in other pleasures we can overcome our addictions and by uplifting our souls as well.
1: So it's such a fine balance because you're saying it's designed to make us feel good. But if we overtake it, it's going to live us with emptiness if we don't do it properly if we don't consume the food properly here's the thing the natural foods you know
0: how hard it is to overeat oranges people just can't do you can't overeat apples and oranges like the natural foods we tend to not really overeat it's the food that we've made chemically that's been produced to make us overeat these foods we don't and also our bodies were designed to move Instead, we leave sedentary lives. That's not what our bodies were designed for. We were designed to dance and farm and work in gardens and go out into nature and run and jump, not to sit at computers all day. We weren't designed in that way. So wow. no, we've gone off track. A little. Yes, exactly. And so we have to bring ourselves back. If we bring ourselves back and nourish our souls. We won't have the need for addiction in our lives. We will be, we are so filled with pleasure. My life is so filled with pleasure. There's no longer this desire to overeat. It doesn't, it doesn't draw me. The the big bag of potato chips stops calling your name when you fill up with other pleasures.
1: Wow. Wow, wait, so I, I have a few questions about what you were just saying. First of all, you wrote the book not because you knew that you overcame the addiction, you were just writing it. And then through the writing, you're like, oh my gosh, I found God and my addiction is away. Maybe there's a connection through the writing of the book.
0: Good question i i understood there was a connection i understood it but i didn't see it so clearly until i wrote this book it made everything clearer. and you know what as i'm doing these podcasts as i'm sharing this the information is getting clearer and clearer every single time too it it, it, you hone in when you teach you get the clarity also i feel that it's even clearer than when i wrote the book now how i'm understanding this process of how it works it's so simple really
1: It's interesting that you're saying that because yesterday I was talking to one of my clients and I said, I reread books every year or every other year. And the information I'm getting and understanding is on a different level as I evolve. And so you can never say, I read that book. I don't need it anymore. Go back when you're already a product, a better product, read it again. You'll understand it on a deeper level. And you're going to say, oh my goodness, how did I not see that before? And this is, wow there's certain books that I really read every single year to remind myself and to see what the next level can come out of it. And that's what you're saying, that as you're teaching your book and you're elaborating on it, you're suddenly realizing, wait, there's a deeper point that I didn't even see while I was writing it. Exactly. It's, and, and what you're describing
0: is also what prayers are about. We can say the same prayer And then why are we saying the same or a mantra that someone says, a a mantra that someone says when they're meditating, the next day, you're a different person, it means something completely different to you, you evolve, the words may have stayed the same, but you're a different person, you're approaching it differently. That's what's so fascinating about prayers and mantras, they reflect onto you, they show you who you've become, and how you're changing.
1: And it right. meets you differently where you are every single day. And it's a different kind of meaning every single day. And that's why we repeat ourselves because every day there's a different meaning to it from where we, the experiences that we have that day. Exactly. It's even true with yoga. I do
0: yoga just about every day and the pose is different. I'm evolved. It, it's all part of the fascinating world that we live in. Exactly.
1: Yes. But so You mentioned that you started writing when you were 12. Does that mean that when you were 12, you already felt felt empty when you were so young, teen?
0: Yeah. In fact, that's when I started. I think that's when I started gaining weight gradually. I, I felt an emptiness and I was like overeating at that point. It was really, I would say I was overeating till 15. And then I started with the diets. So it was like one thing or another. Yeah. There was something, suddenly I had an extra awareness at age 12. And I couldn't understand, is this all there is to life? We get up each day, we go to work, We make money to eat, to get up, to go to work, to make money. What is this all for? This is what I started. When you'll read my book, you'll see the poems were deep at age 12. I was like, what's going on here? And at that age, everything, hormones started changing. And like people started like being interested in boys. And I wasn't yet interested in boys. And this was all fascinating. Mm -hmm. My body's changing, but what's going on? It was like, it was a time of change. And I think that's why my soul started to wake up with a a new level of awareness.
1: So you were very deep even as a 12 year old. Most 12 year olds are going through puberty change, but they're not in touch with that void. They just feel something, but they fill it with music, with social media now, with hanging out with friends, with food. But you said, I'm not going to just fill it there's something missing and you were curious about it i was trying to fill it hanging out with people doing
0: drugs i didn't do as much as other people thank god i had friends that overdosed i was involved with all kinds of crazy crowds i was experimenting i was a very curious person trying experimenting with different things and yeah let's try things let's see maybe this will offer me something i didn't know where it was and i definitely didn't think it was in my own heritage so I was seeking out definitely other religions. I never dated someone in my own heritage, only outside. That
1: That's what interested me, going into a different life and exploring. Tell me a little bit about your family. Were they supportive? Are they loving? Was there something to run away from?
0: No, nah. they were such wonderful, open people, so sweet and encouraging and And, but I just didn't see the spirituality. That's what they didn't grow up with. They didn't have an education about our heritage. They didn't, there were a few things they still did, but they didn't uh, from the heritage, but they they didn't know why they were doing it. Mm -hmm. And whatever they did do, I rebelled against it. Who needs that? Mm -hmm. There's no purpose to this. So I I wasn't into it, but they were very loving people. And that's what gave me the encouragement, I think, to keep going and exploring and feeling that there's something more that's missing that. Yeah, I feel that they were incredibly sweet people.
1: So there was no trauma.
0: No, there was definitely no trauma. And there was, they were, they had such a sweetness about them. And they were very simple people, not into materialism. Like we didn't have a big house in the suburbs. We had this small apartment. We didn't own anything. And I was just, in fact, I was searching for nature because boy, there was like hardly any nature around where we lived in Queens, New York, but, but they were, they were, they were very good people. Yeah.
1: Did they understand that you're missing something? Did they feel like you were confused? Did they start, try to support you? through your eating disorder? What was that relationship between your searching and their observing it?
0: Felt in those years, people weren't so open. They weren't into talking about it with me much. We didn't talk about feelings all that much. I felt they were very loving people, but we didn't get into deep stuff like that. In fact, I was they didn't even know where my kind of depth was coming from. Sometimes I was confusing to them. I think they were simple, sweet people. That's how I see my parents. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. So it can be lonely when one of the things that I hear often from deep people that they feel very alone, that they can't share their thoughts and their depths with someone. And they're afraid that if they do, people will think they're crazy. So they're just pondering on their own. And sometimes it could be a void of not sharing it with somebody that gets you. Yeah,
0: there definitely was that. And you'll see that in my poetry in the beginning. It's a lot about the loneliness and how different I felt than everybody else. And how if I, when I go to a party and people are dancing and doing drugs, whatever, I'm like, I feel more different than ever now. I'm not like these people, but who am I? Who am I like? I didn't know. I really didn't find people that were similar to me until after i graduated from harvard i went to medical school and i was there i was studying to be a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. because i was fascinated by the mind body connection Mm -hmm. so i went to medical school for one year by then oh my goodness my my crazy eating had gone really berserk i was doing such bizarre behaviors which I won't even describe, but they're in the book. People say to me, how could you write about this crazy stuff? But if you don't go to the depths, then you don't get how high I was able to reach from those depths. It was terrible, the crazy things I was doing. So I actually, I told my boyfriend then in medical school, I really think I need to go to a psychiatrist myself. So I set myself up an appointment. I'd go in. He was a Japanese psychiatrist. I, oh, and I said, I'm in medical school, but I feel like I need to be in a mental hospital now. I'm like doing such crazy stuff. I told him what I was doing, and he said to me, I told him also that I had planned to go to Israel for the summer. My I, my my parents actually arranged for me to volunteer at Hadassah Hospital for six weeks. So I told him that like, I'm going go to go to um, Israel for the summer and everything. He goes, I think you're crazier than you are. He said to me, this is what he said. He said, I think. There's something missing from you spiritually. And you know what? I think you're gonna find it in Israel. That is what this Japanese psychiatrist said to me. It was the weirdest thing. I put this in the book too. It was the strangest thing. And I ended up not going back. I just had this one visit with this. He was like, he was a counselor to the the students. You could go to meet with him. I ended up going for six weeks. Before I went, my mother said to me, do whatever you want in Israel, but just don't contact this religious fanatic. I known him since kindergarten. We had grown up together. He became religious. And she said, just don't contact him. Do whatever else you want. So of course, my rebellious self right away way. I contact him. I sent him one of those aerograms people used to have. I wrote him a letter. I said, I am studying to be a psychiatrist, but I don't even know. I wouldn't know how to help my clients. I don't know what the purpose of life is. So he wrote back to me. He said, forget about your clients. You need to know. So when you come, I'll meet you at Hadassah Hospital and I'll take you to some schools where you could learn about the purpose of life.
1: How old were you?
0: I was um, 22.
1: Oh, so young.
0: I went, he met me at the cafeteria at Hadassah Hospital, and he met me the first week I got there. I was counseling families on the oncology ward at Hadassah. Mm -hmm. He met me. And we went to he took me to a school called and another called or these are two schools for like late beginners wanting to learn in depth searchers about wanting to know about their heritage and Judaism yeah. so I got there, and I don't even know what they were talking about I didn't know half the words it's like some things were in Hebrew. And I'm sitting there. I was drawing pictures. I love to draw creatures. And I'm sitting there doodling while I'm listening. And I still have the picture I drew of a creature jumping off the top of the world screaming, yay, like I felt like I found what I was looking for. Now, I had found pieces of truth in other religions too. Parts of Buddhism, parts of Christian science, they all helped to elevate my soul in different ways. And in fact, when I got involved with Buddhism and Christian science, it got me away from the drug scene and more into education. Mm -hmm. So these were things that lifted me up but they didn't fit like the perfect puzzle piece of that day when I got there and I started learning about Torah in depth. It was like, it was an incredible experience that my soul reacted to. It's as if it activated my soul. It's as if that's what happened. It got activated and it was like all charged Mm. to, to learn more. So I studied and within another week, I moved out of the Hadassah dorms and into um, the dorms of Orsameach. Oh, really? And I was spending all day there learning, learning and also doing good deeds for people that came up. I would love to do that in the community or else I was learning, that's all I was doing. And I not only did I love what I was learning, I loved the people there. They were the idealistic people like me, that were searchers. So I was right away with all these people that I could relate to. It was an amazing experience. Besides the teachers, I love the students. These were the people I was really craving to be with forever.
1: And yeah. right away, you was like, okay, because you were searching for meaning, you kept on saying, I don't understand what the purpose of life, when you got to our you suddenly I what I'm visualizing is the matrix, you suddenly get plugged in and the data is coming through. Yes. Like you were just yes. get, receiving the data that you were yes. searching and craving. And it was just like everything was making sense because you were plugged in there. Exactly. And you know what? I I feel that addicts, people that have different addictions
0: are more exposed souls. So I was a very exposed soul. I was a soul. I believe that people with addictions are sensitive and they feel this emptiness. They're aware of the emptiness. There are many people that are unaware of the inner emptiness they're feeling. Some of my relatives, in fact. So basically, I think that people that have addictions... They want that pleasure. They want that greater, more lasting pleasure in life. This is why they have become addicts. I deeply believe that. And so I was acting it out through these addictions. And believe me, in the beginning, when I got there, I was still doing these crazy things with the food. But once it became integrated, that's when it changed. It wasn't like I stopped doing the crazy things the minute I got there. No, for weeks and months, it was still happening. But it gradually Suddenly, I noticed what happened. I'm no longer doing these crazy things anymore. Yes,
1: did you ever get diagnosed for anorexia or bulimia or anything like that? Or you self diagnosed yourself? Yeah, I
0: never got diagnosed. I thank God never got so skinny that it was a health issue because I, I was doing the opposite. I was binging or I was starving myself. So one or the other kept, kept me from having a really severe health problem in that way. Yeah, thank God. I think I weighed at my lowest, I, and that's in the book. I think I weighed 95 pounds, which was pretty skinny,
1: but it wasn't like- So my, we have some teens. This is actually teen month that we're talking about mental health by teens. So before we go into your full story, I want to ask you if you can give some kind of a clue or something for parents or mentors or the teens themselves to say, wait, is this an addiction? Is this something wrong? Do I need to get checked out? What are something that you wish someone said to you when you were 12, 13, 14, 15, 16? Wait, what you're doing is not healthy. This is not normal.
0: I really wasn't so unhealthy during those years, though. I got it became unhealthy. I would say around 18. Once I went away to college, that's when I got you know so into it, and how great it would be to be skinnier, and I kept doing all those crazy things. And not only that, wait, till you hear this? I started studying it. I became the expert on anorexia at Harvard. So here I was, this expert delving into research. In fact, a chapter that I wrote on it was published in an anthology. While I was still an undergraduate i was like doing some breakthrough research in this field and i was getting sicker and sicker while i was doing it so this is just to show you that intellectually you can understand something it doesn't matter if you're not if you're not addressing the spiritual lack it's not going to matter. Oh, and the emotional issues too. If in my case, it wasn't so much an emotional thing. It was, I'm saying it's, I see, I believe the basis of all addictions is a spiritual emptiness. And And there could be layers of emotional garbage piled on top. When that's the case, then therapeutic intervention is needed in addition to the spiritual nourishment because your soul can shine if you have tons of garbage piled on top of you. In my case, that wasn't the case. So when I got the spiritual nourishment, my soul was able to shine. But many people, if you have gone through trauma, abuse, neglect as a child, there'll be other issues too. And those have to be removed simultaneously. While you're nourishing your soul, you have to remove the garbage that has it occludes your soul from shining. So it, I think therapeutic intervention is really necessary for many people that have especially eating disorders. And that may be why I didn't go to the extreme. I don't know. But I'm just saying I was maybe saving myself by not right. doing that.
1: So but- you're saying you're void was not love affection or you didn't have a trauma that affected your the way you were your addictions but your void was a spiritual void and you believe that most voids are spiritual and then there's the add-ons to it that may amplify it
0: exactly right exactly you got it and if we bring in more pleasures into our life more lasting pleasures that's the way to overcome addictions the the new line i just came up with is gain joy instead of weight we need to bring more joy into our life it's not about restricting it's about adding more joy into our life and i what i want to explain is oh and one more thing i want to say when you talked about the teens how do they know if they have a problem my life, when I finally sought out the psychiatrist, was had become unmanageable. That I think that's the first of the twelve steps when you recognize your life is unmanageable. Acknowledging it. i I saw it because here I was a medical student. I looked like a success, but I didn't feel like I felt like, I am really a mess inside right now. And so I knew that my life had become unmanageable. My -hmm. behaviors were bizarre. I was doing crazy things. It was taking up so much of my mental and emotional energy, this disordered way of eating. And it was using up so much that I was before could spend on intellectual studies or things like that. It was taking up way too much space in my life. That's when a person can know that they have a problem they're not experiencing a joyful life anymore i wasn't and i was really by that point in medical school it was the most miserable year of my life when i sunk the lowest That is when I was able to recognize that I really needed help.
1: That was your rock bottom.
0: Yeah, that was definitely my rock bottom. I describe a bunch of scenes in the book are horrible rock bottom experiences that I had there. I don't even want to go there, but I put them in the book and people
1: say to me, how embarrassing. But if I don't show that, you got to show it. You have to be raw. Otherwise, you don't see the transformation. Exactly from the depths of hell, can we see the high of the joy? Don't experience depth of hell. The experience of joy won't be as high. I always (laughs) say to people that come to me and they're struggling, I said, just as much as you're suffering in such depthness, can you imagine your joy being on that level? Beautiful. 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 You have got it. Exactly. That's what I want to. Now I want
0: to tell you. I want to tell you about the five levels of the pleasure ladder. This is what who changed my life so much. I, I spent very little time with him during that first year of study, but I read his writings. I spent a little bit of time and he transformed my life. It's this is Rabbi Noah Weinberg. And I'm going to explain to you he taught, this is what he told. So as I was searching, what is the purpose to life? He explained it like this. This blew me away. The purpose of life is to experience the greatest pleasure possible. What? This is this rabbi wearing this black hat and this black suit saying the purpose of life is to experience the greatest pleasure possible. What does that mean? So he explained there's there's a pleasure ladder. What is this based on? This is based on ancient mystical writings. This is based on the blueprint that came with our souls. The five levels, this is something I just discovered this past Passover when I was studying this. The five levels of the human soul, what I believe is, I wasn't taught this, but I saw the connection. They seem to correspond to the five levels on the pleasure ladder. So here we go. The lowest level of the human soul is the, the part of the soul that attaches to the physical body. So the, when we experience all of these sensual pleasures in, uplifts our soul. At the same time, when we experience the natural, wonderful, brilliant foods that were designed for us, when we experience music, when we experience nature, these things were all designed to fill us with pleasure. So here we go. Now up the ladder, the next level up the second rung on the pleasure ladder, which brings us even more pleasure is love. And what is this Jewish definition that Rabbi Weinberg taught? It's not the usual definition of love. It's something that anybody could do. They never have to sit by a phone and wait for someone to call them. It involves focusing on what you appreciate about someone else, focusing on the virtues of somebody else. So we could bring that into our lives at any moment. A person that's incarcerated could bring love into their lives. And And an addiction is incarceration too. So when you're incarcerated, you could still focus on what you appreciate about someone else. You'll notice that each level up brings you a level of greater connection because because why does a person overeat? or do any other addiction, they're feeling alienated, they're feeling separated, lonely, stress, anxiety. These are all feelings of separation. How do we uplift our soul? By adding connection. On the physical level, by we're connecting to an apple. An apple is bringing us joy, uplifting our soul. Or we're connecting to another being now on the second level. What do we appreciate about someone else? Okay, the third level is meaning. When we bring more meaning into our lives, we are filled with an even more lasting pleasure and a greater connection out into the larger community. And what is even higher than that? Creativity. With creativity, we tap into the creative flow of the universe. We bring out what's creative inside of us, what's uniquely us, and we bring it and share it into the world.
1: God's gift that he
0: gave is individuals. Exactly. When we are being creative, you don't feel like eating or even sleeping. You're in this zone of creativity and it's a tremendous lasting pleasure. That's why it's
1: so godly, because we're bringing a part of God into the universe through us. We're like the funnel of God
0: exactly exactly and we and we are emulating god through each level up we emulate god even more being more godlike by doing right. these things
1: and exposing his greatness through us
0: exactly right all the physical things when we are back on this level we are bringing up the spark of divinity that's in the apple when we eat it with gratitude that's the thing gratitude is the it's the ticket it's the ticket that gives us that takes us from one level to the next without the gratitude we're just stuffing our faces and finishing up the bag of potato chips but again the more natural foods that we eat the more they fill us up in the way that they were meant to and they bring us gratitude so much more than eating these phony things from that are made with chemicals. Basically, oh, the highest level is transcendence. What does that mean? It's the awe and bliss that you feel under a starry sky at night. It's when you know that you're a part of the universe. It's when you are connected to the greater hall, when the veil of separation between everybody and everything is lifted and we feel connection with everybody that is really it's a state let me explain that the highest two states transcendence and creativity are not states that we can sustain on a long-term basis we would burn out by being creative all the time and we're not in a state of transcendence all the time but we get glimpses of these states like we get when we observe the sabbath we get a glimpse of transcendence of awe and bliss, but we don't stay there. It's not where we are all the time. Even on the Sabbath, we're not in that state all the time. The the states that we're mainly in most of our lives are the three lowest levels, physical pleasures, the pleasures of love and the pleasures of meaning. And again, we get glimpses of these two highest states that we are going to be in in the next world, when when our bodies are no longer with us, and we're just souls, those are the states we're going to be in. So know that I used to think it's going to be boring in that next world. But no, it's going to be constant creativity, constant transcendence. It's wow, we can't even imagine what that's like. It's like a, a blind person picturing what the color blue is. We have no idea what that means.
1: No ability to comprehend it.
0: Exactly. But we know that it's something awesome because when we get glimpses of it, we know how awesome those highest levels of pleasure are. Those are the most lasting pleasures. And whenever we've experienced them, they stay with us forever. The feeling of creativity and transcendence. We can go back to that night under the stars forever. It stays with us. But what we're mainly on are these three lower levels, and we can continue to bring these pleasures into our lives. The reason we overeat or do other addictions is a sense of scarcity. We have a sense that there's not enough pleasure in our life. This understanding about the pleasure ladder shows you that there's an abundance of pleasure. The world was designed for our to us to experience the greatest pleasure. Why do people have children? What do we want for our children? We want our children to experience the greatest pleasure possible in life. So that's what the Almighty that created and designed us wants for us to experience the greatest pleasure possible, to uplift our souls. We're here in the physical world to uplift ourselves through the physical elements with which we interact.
1: Thank you for sharing the five Layers because I've never five stages. Is it five layers or five stages? What do you call it? Uh, five levels, right? Levels, That's what it's five called, levels. right? And as you were saying the last one, I was, oh my goodness, this, the last one, you know what it is? Clarity. It's clarity. Beautiful. You just have a vision of clarity, and we don't always have clarity. Beautiful. And why it says, and there is no joy than removal of doubt and re- and getting to clarity. Why does it say there is no greater joy? There is no greater joy. You know that saying there is no greater joy than removing doubt and getting exactly. to clarity. Why? Because it's the highest level of connection, which is clarity. And how Beautiful. often do we have clarity? Not often. And we search for clarity all the time through meaning, through all the art, for, through nature, because we, we just want to understand clarity. And when we have that orgasmic experience, and I call it orgasmic because it's short-lived, right? It's short-lived, that little joy of clarity. But that's why it says that there's no greater joy than that.
0: It lasts with us. It stays
1: with us though. We don't stay in that state, but you remember it forever. And we try to go back to there exactly. and then we come down and we hope that we go back. And then we, and the journey of life we go up and down and up and down. Beautiful. And, and then we reach that. And one of the things that I always say that if I had one thing, I would love clarity. And I never understood why it was something that I wanted awesome. so badly. The why's the why I want clarity. Or we want clarity on how to do. We want God to come to us and say, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. Because and when life- we have clarity, it's just a path. It's the GPS, turn right, left, go straight. You'll get to your destination. I believe that
0: life becomes clearer and clearer as we nourish our souls. Yeah. It doesn't feel so confused. It was so confusing to me. And it's just not like that anymore. And now, with my soul filled up like this, I don't need that much food. I just need a little bit of food every day and nutritious food. You just don't need all that because you're full all the time with gratitude for life. It changes everything. Exactly.
1: I want to ask you, you, so you were saying that you tapped into joy. Let's elaborate on that a little bit. What is joy? What is spirituality? Because people are going to say, what is the spirituality that she's talking about? What is she saying that she was like, there could be people that are binge eating and they don't feel empty from spirituality and they're not understanding. What is this spirituality that you speak of that you feel that people are missing and that's why they have addiction. What I'm, what
0: I'm trying to describe it is that when you experience the pleasure of eating something, that pleasure was designed not only for your body, because we are essentially spiritual beings just housed in bodies. So what you are in essence is a spiritual being. So these foods, these natural foods were designed to fuel your body but also to uplift your soul, to do both, to bring pleasure on that lowest level of the soul, which is called in Hebrew the nephesh. That's the part of the soul that connects to the body. Basically, it gives us pleasure, the natural pleasure that you experience when you eat something. And if you don't recognize how to bring all these other pleasures into your life you'll just keep eating you'll just keep wanting to overeat because because naturally we are made to want to experience pleasure in our life for a good reason for spiritual reasons we are meant to experience this tremendous pleasure we're really here for that reason Mm -hmm. so it it makes sense that we experience that pleasure but recognize right away that i don't have to keep eating I could do other pleasures too. And once you recognize that abundance, so let's say even just on the physical level, let's say you're overeating something and that can still happen. You could be eating something and just keep wanting to keep going because it tastes so good. You say, you get to a point, you say, you know what? What if I do something else now that brings me pleasure? You could even put little notes up uh, on your cupboards or something saying, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? When you're overeating, And you look at that and you go, oh yeah, I could do something else. I could turn on music and start just dancing or moving. Suddenly that craving goes away. You could step outside, feel the brisk, cool air on your face, feel the sunshine. And again, it just doesn't call your name. The box of chocolate chip cookies isn't drawing you in the Mm. same way. You can call or text somebody lonely. And let's say you don't reach them. You could still leave them a sweet message about how you appreciate them. Guess what? The food won't be drawing you in the same way after you leave that message. It's amazing. You just gave to somebody. You just appreciated someone. I was on another podcast. And the guy was explaining, I was explaining this. And he said, I was plowing through a box of pizza, just eating right through it. I had two slices. I was just keep on going. And someone knocked on my door. My neighbor needed my help. I went out to help him. When I came back, I saw the pizza. I was no longer interested. I was feeling so good about helping him. I didn't need all that pizza anymore. He felt the connection. That's what happens.
1: So spirituality is a form of it's really meaning right because it's finding some kind of a depth to your existence how do you explain spirituality spirituality
0: it's whatever fills your soul and how do
1: you know what that is if you're confused let's say you're 15 and you're like i don't understand a word that bracha is saying i know i had a food addiction i know i love food i know i binge i i might be even anorexic or bulimic. i throw up every time i feel guilty i hate myself i can't look in the mirror all that and for the life of me i don't know what bracha is saying what the heck is spiritual good point you the way to test it is how do you feel afterwards
0: then you'll know what are you left with what lasting pleasure are you left with when you finish the bag of potato chips Do you feel uplifted? Like you want to just go help the world and shine your soul? Is your soul shining? You know what it feels like to be joyful. Is that how you feel afterwards? Once you've finished up every laugh crumb and every little pass every little speck of salt in the bag of the potato chips. How do you feel? It's just a certain level of awareness. A person knows how they feel, how they're left feeling afterwards. How do you feel after you've had a couple of oranges uplifted? It's like an awesome feeling if you, it's connecting to gratitude. Are you left with a grateful feeling? Let's put it that way. Are you left feeling grateful toward life? That's a very clear way to say it. If you are filled with gratitude afterwards, then you know you have fed your hungry soul
1: but bro i think that's an extra step i preach gratitude And I I live gratitude and the way I healed, one of the biggest steps that I healed from depression was through practicing gratitude, the law of attraction, learning it, rewiring my mind. I literally don't go a day without practicing a gratitude meditation in the morning and at night. I was talking about Nishmat, how I just, I live Nishmat and it's part of my existence. And people often ask me, what are you on? I said, I'm on the vitamin of gratitude just tap into it but people say to me i don't understand i could say it i don't feel it they don't feel the gratitude their mind understands it but they don't feel grateful and what is that disconnect because i know and once you tap into gratitude it's the it's the highest level of connection to god like you just feel God in your your, constantly, and it's a constant hug from God. And it's this, it's like the matrix. You want to be plugged in constantly, right? Yes. But people say to me, I know what you're saying, but I don't feel it. Yes.
0: So there's all kinds of exercises to do to increase gratitude. Anything, any, I, I also, of course, want to mention movement. Movement is so important. Exercise, it gets those endorphins flowing. Yes, it's yes. really hard not to feel gratitude after you've been dancing right. or running or jumping. It's It just fills you up. It fills your body with really delightful chemicals, <laughs> the good kind, the natural kind that we're right. intended to make. Right. But other exercises, there's all kinds of things. I know that with my children, every night we would go to bed and we would say something that you're grateful for that happened that day. But, but everybody could do that. Many people keep, they see that people have gotten happier from gratitude journals. Every night, three things they write down they're grateful for. There's all kinds of exercises. Like, for instance, at any moment you're feeling miserable, think about all the illnesses you don't have right now. Or think of all the body parts that are working in your body. Think of all the parts of you that are not in pain. Think of another exercise is, People tr- practice, imagine losing everything you have, everything. And then in your imagination, gain each thing back one wow. by one. It just, it's, it, these Beautiful. are just exercises to use our gratitude muscles, just like our muscles that we use when we do physical activity, we have to exercise them. The more we exercise them, the more gratitude we will have.
1: It's the gratitude effect. The more you live with gratitude, the more you notice gratitude, and then the more positive things are coming and the negative just rolls off your back because you're. it's just the gratitude effect.
0: And that's what happened to me. I didn't even know how did I lose these addictions? It like, what changed, you know? Right. So much gratitude had filled my life. And I want to say a very important thing. They've done studies that it takes for over 400 repetitions to break a bad habit. Yet if a person does it joyfully, within 10 repetitions, they can get a new habit in sync. The new synapses are created so much more easily with joy.
1: But how that- they create the joy. The people that are listening to this, this podcast are people that are searching and yearning and craving joy they want it they do the exercise but they're just not tapping into it and they don't know they don't some of some people tell me I never experienced joy in my life I don't know what you're talking about. I
0: I can only suggest to do it in these very simple ways. Try to spend some time with an orange just spend time hanging out with an orange. All the amazing parts about it. The more we can simplify our lives and focus on these very simple gifts, the more we can have appreciation. Like someone came out with a new book about breaking habits. They said you, you have to do it. It has to be easy, enjoyable, and then repeat it. I say it's just one, enjoyable, because that covers everything. Enjoyable makes it easy, and enjoyable makes you want to repeat it. So if you practice gratitude exercise, just practice it. It's It brings more joy to your life, and you'll want to repeat it, so it becomes a new habit of practicing gratitude. It's about making it into a habit in your life. And, and don't be down on yourself for all the time you spend being miserable. It's understandable, because anybody that experience trauma in their life, we nobody stands in the shoes of anybody else nobody could judge it. it 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 changes the nervous system it affects it it gets into the body it's hard to get it out of the body any moment that you're not miserable is a miracle it, it, enjoy that one mm. moment of joy and then try to spread it out into more but don't be hard on yourself for being right. miserable it, your body was rewired from the trauma and there are different therapeutic methods to get better from it but any moment of joy you have is something to celebrate it's a great victory it's
1: it's very true so ever since that year in Israel you stopped your binge eating and your horrible eating habits and all of your food addictions like it was gone it, it's basically gone. It comes up so rarely.
0: Let's say I'm at a wedding and I don't feel comfortable. I don't know the people like not now. I'm not going anywhere. But let's say it's not the pandemic and you have this big smorgasbord buffet, yeah. buffet and And I don't know anybody, I can't, no one I want to talk to, I feel awkward, I can feel myself starting to overeat, I can feel that happening, I have to remind myself, connect with somebody, there must be somebody here that wants me to talk to them, somebody I find that's also standing around, not knowing anybody, look for a way to appreciate someone or find meaning don't just focus on the food now you've had enough now let's move on to another level of pleasure i talk myself into that it doesn't happen often but it it, i can still get back to that headspace where i might start overeating at a thing like that now that's how i can remember what it felt like to be in that state of binging which was a scarier place to me than the dieting place that that uncontrollable binging was really a nutty place for me to be yeah
1: So what you're saying basically is, and I don't know if you said this in the book, because I didn't read the book yet, that when we don't feel belonging, we find pleasure through our senses, through either smell, touch, feel, food, like we're trying to feel ourselves when we don't feel belonging.
0: Yes, belonging and connection, exactly. We need to feel that. We feel alone, alienated, all those feelings. And then we just keep trying to stick the pleasure into our mouths, Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. our faces. But there's so many other ways to get pleasure. We have to remind ourselves, oh, yeah. I need more pleasure right now, maybe or maybe I should just leave the smorgasbord step outside and spend some time in nature whatever I do do something different that can also bring you pleasure. We just get in the bad habit people that are in the habit of overeating or whatever their addiction they're involved with. They got stuck there they got imprisoned there because it brings them. Uh, What Rabbi Weinberg used to say is, it brings you comfort. Comfort, This blew our minds. Comfort is the opposite of pleasure. What does he mean? He, He would say pain is not the opposite of pleasure. There could be pain involved in pleasure. When you climb a mountain, you want the challenge, you want discomfort, or pain could be involved. You want that. Or when you're exercising, there's some discomfort that could be a part of pleasure. Or giving birth, there's plenty of pain involved. But Comfort stops us from reaching for pleasure. When
1: I'm stuffing my face. Wow. There's no more inspiration because we're plateauing like a heartbeat.
0: Exactly. It
1: stops, or it plateaus. That's exactly. comfort. Rest. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Wow.
0: It blows my, that he, he expanded my consciousness. It's comfort that stops us from pleasure. That's really, it's kind of sense. It's the opposite in that sense. Exactly.
1: What's your yes. highest moments of joy nowadays when you want to say, like, I experienced the most highest moments of joy. Where do you find that?
0: I would say it's seeing my children be awesome parents, passing on wisdom into their lives, seeing, I guess it's what, I guess it's what we said what is the greatest pleasure when we see our children experiencing the greatest pleasure possible? So passing it on and just feeling so good about that feeling. And this is also a tremendous pleasure in my life. This makes my soul shine, sharing this wisdom that I got from Rabbi Noach Weinberg and and that he got from the most ancient mystical teachings that That we're the blueprint of our souls. So this is like the basis. It's so important to keep sharing this vital information that the world needs.
1: Addictions are so widespread. Because you're doing meaning for your suffering from your binge eating. That's the third. Creativity is the fourth, right? And the highest form is... transcendence and clarity and it's I I see it as the word yichud with Hashem the word that's the word for the highest level are you serious that's the level that's what it's called
0: the highest level of the soul is called yichud that's exactly how do you
1: say it in English unity oh my god it just came to me now I'm like I just see yichud because it's just one clarity wow yes That's that's it It's
0: amazing. That's amazing. Wow. You'll see what each of the, each of the Hebrew words is connects to, I don't know. I hadn't seen it written, but when I was studying about the five levels of pleasure, and then I was studying about the five levels of the soul, I saw, oh my gosh,
1: these correspond amazingly. This is what I got to share. Can I just end with something very off topic, but very off topic, but very profound, I think to this experience. How we can elevate. I always say that when you're one with your spouse, when you're having that yicho, that connection, it's not a sexual orgasm, it's a spiritual connection that no physical orgasm can get to there. And I feel when I feel and find God, it's in those places of oneness in a spiritual connection. Yes. Yeah, swing it through physical. And that's yes. what you were saying before.
0: It, it's one of the things listed that Rabbi Weinberg lists. Intimacy with your partner is on the level of nefesh. It uplifts your body and your soul so that you are connecting. Exactly. And and it, And
1: it. it's called in Hebrew, yichud. That's, right. that's that you're, right. You become one. I, I often say when you feel that spiritual soul connection, You can't explain it in words. You just can't bring it down to words. And it's something that is so spiritual and so high. And you're not there all the time, as you said, but you remember it and you try to go back and you bring from those experiences down to where you are now and you go up and down and shift. Yes. Yes. Bracha, what? Oh my goodness. This is like amazing. Thank you so much for helping us find joy. Understanding spirituality and what is a void? What does a void come from? And it's so important to understand why addictions happen. What is absence and what is missing inside us? And to start asking the questions, you know, that you can only have a good answer when you have a good question, right?
0: Yes, Uh, you are a real gift. I am so grateful for this opportunity and for how you resonate so deeply. It's such a joy. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. I have. I always ask my guests to leave us with one insight at the end, because this is podcast is to give hope to those that are really trying to find hope and to live another day or to get through life. What does hope mean to you?
0: Hope is your soul. Hope is the part of your soul. It's that spark that nobody could cover up completely. It's still in there. It's resilient. It's the resilience. It's how do people overcome the traumas from childhood the abuse people have suffered terribly Mm. it's it that is the hope everybody has a part of their soul and this is all in the ancient mystical writings that nobody can diminish nobody could put out that light it's an eternal light inside of every person that's the hope that is it and it's still there no matter what so the whole thing is to nourish your soul and remove the garbage and your soul is still shining there. So that you'll be able to feel it and see it and experience it. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. So hope is inside of everyone, even if we don't know. It's like a magnetic field there. Yes, and sometimes energy. it's stronger, sometimes it's weaker, but it's a unique one inside of each one.
0: I think it's always strong. But you can't see you can't tell that feel it because it's covered up so much. It's always so strong. It's this it's the part of you that's a part of God. It is infinite. It's this Mm. infinite part of you. It's still there. It's as pure as it ever was. They could not put dirt on this part. They couldn't dump it. It's still in there.
1: Yes, Beautiful. beautiful. So tell me, where can someone find your book, find you, hear more about you?
0: Uh, all my books are on my Amazon author page. So if you just look up Bracha Gets Amazon, you'll find everything. They're in book, they're in bookstores and libraries and everything, but all in one place. I think right now there's 39. So you'll see, you'll see the book. So what's yeah. your
1: website? brachagets.com
0: right now it's just an amazon i have an amazon author page with all my books in one spot and are you on facebook
1: or instagram yeah
0: i'm on all those places too
1: okay we'll put it in the show notes wonderful bracha thank you for joining us thank you for giving us your wisdom thank you for inspiring others to find their soul connection their meaning their spirituality to search for joy and know that joy is out there. And once you tap into it, it's, I call it the addiction to joy because it's a constant addiction. You just want more of it and you go for it. That's beautiful. That kind of
0: addiction doesn't make your life unmanageable at all.
1: Because it, you keep on coming from a source of understanding of spirituality. Yes. It's coming not from a place of lack of, it's coming from a place of giving,
0: Yes. Yes. And it's, and I want to say that it's not my wisdom I'm sharing. This is the almighty's wisdom. This is the wisdom with which we were created, how we were created. And I'm just enjoying sharing it. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much, guys. Go search, read this book. If you know someone that needs to hear this or someone that's struggling with addictions, give them this book. You might save a life. Bye till next time.